And this morning, we're going to take a look at how to hear God speak through the Holy Spirit. And I think for most of us in this room, at some point in our lives, we've had this urge within us, this desperate cry within our hearts to hear the voice of God speaking to us, to hear the voice of God speaking into our lives. Whether it's been when we found ourselves in a difficult or challenging situation, where we've just needed God to direct us and guide us and give us wisdom for the place that we find ourselves in, to show us what we should do in the situation. Or whether we've really need and desired for God to affirm us to have God's voice affirm his love for us or his acceptance of us, or if we've been desperate to hear God speak to us on behalf of somebody we love. Maybe it's been a friend or a family member who's going through a rough time and we've really reached a point where we've cried out to God, asking God to give us a word for them and encourage, um, an encouragement for them to strengthen them in the place that they find themselves in. And I think for some of us, maybe hearing God's voice is like second nature to us. We know his voice. We're familiar with his voice. But then for others of us, it is difficult and hard to hear the voice of God. And maybe you're like me. Even when you hear the voice of God sometimes, you almost have this little thing in you that goes, mm, was that really God speaking to me? Or was that just me speaking to me? Was that my own voice, my own wishful thinking, my own thoughts? Was it just kind of the voice of culture that's been like brainwashed into my mind? Is it the voice of the people in my life, um, like maybe my parents from my childhood, or my teachers, or my friends, or my partners? Is it the voice of shame or guilt that's speaking to me that is not from God? We can hear the voice of God and we can go, Oh, God, is that you? I don't know if I'm hearing you. Am I getting it wrong? Am I not... Is it not you speaking to me at all? And sometimes I can I feel like I and all of us are asking God's questions. We're asking him to speak to us about specific things, and it's just like crickets. It's silence. We hear nothing. It's like, God, where are you? And every little voice that comes into our head, we're saying, is that you, God? And in a sense, sometimes this immense and agitation can build up in us where we're just like, God, I'm desperate for you to speak. Please, would you speak to me? Do you sometimes feel like that? Because I know that I most certainly do, and I have definitely asked myself all of the above questions before. Sometimes I've actually prayed and begged for God to speak his audible voice to me, that I would literally hear God's audible voice from heaven speaking down to me, that there would be no room for mishearing or misunderstanding, but just the crystal clear words of God straight from his mouth to my ears. And I remember when I'd just become a new follower of Jesus, this was probably, gosh, I was like 13 or 14 years old, and I really struggled to hear God speaking to me. I struggled to recognize his voice, to know his voice. And I remember I would um, go into my bedroom, and I'd like kind of close the door, and I would literally try and suck myself up to hear the voice of God speaking to me. And the only thing that I kind of can liken it to, this experience of mine, was um, the movie The Proposal. I don't know if many of you have watched this movie, but um, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds are in this movie, and um, Sandra Bullock is Ryan Reynolds' boss, and they go on this trip, and somehow they get stranded in his hometown, and they sort of start to fall for one another, and the grandmother of Ryan Reynolds is, like, seriously keen on this, um, and she also is kind of into this, like, universe-speaking-to-you kind of thing. So she takes um, Sandra Bullock down to the forest, and they do this like rain dance type thing. 
And so, like, they're literally going around. I, like, almost feel like I need to demonstrate it to you so you can know what I'm talking about. But it was, I'm, like, a bit nervous. But it was kind of like, oh, let's just go for it. It was like, yo, you know? Like, that kind of thing. Um, and even at one point, Sandra Bullock starts to rap, okay? I'm not going to rap for you because, one, I can't rap. And, two, um, the words of the rap are not really suitable for a Sunday morning. But... Um, this is kind of what I would do in my bedroom. Uh, I guess the reason for it being that I didn't believe that it was a concern or a priority for God to speak to me. And I certainly didn't think that it was his joy to speak to me. So I felt like I almost needed to get God's attention in some crazy way so that somehow I would be able to hear his audible voice speaking to me. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, for everyone in this room, if we had the opportunity to choose between hearing the audible voice of God speaking to us or to choose hearing God speak to us through the Holy Spirit, we would probably choose the audible voice of God. In a sense, it's almost like a no-brainer. Yes, that's what I want. It appears to be the easiest way to hear and understand what God is saying to us. But what I found um, truly fascinating in just studying the Bible, studying the Word of God, is seeing that this is not necessarily true. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to show you one quick example from John chapter 12, verse 26 to 34. It's not going to come up on the screen, so I'll just read it to you and you can listen. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Jesus is about to go to the cross and um, die for us. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven came. And this is now the audible voice of God speaking to Jesus. And he says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said, that it had thundered. Others said that an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from heaven, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. And so the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man. Notice from this passage that the crowd, when they hear the audible voice of God, do not have a clue what it is. Some of them are saying that it's thunder. Some of them are saying that an angel has spoken to Jesus. And what's really interesting is that none of them really seem to have any understanding of God, what God or Jesus are even trying to say to them. Nobody gets what God is saying. They seem confused. They seem to be questioning what's happening. They're questioning who is the son of man that you're talking about. And we see that people are still confused, even at the audible voice of God. So perhaps like me, you think, okay, maybe the audible voice of God isn't that clear to understand. It's not as easy and efficient as I thought it was gonna be. But man, if I could get Jesus into the room with me, if I could have a face-to-face -face conversation with Jesus, I would be made. I would know exactly what God was saying to me, and I would know exactly what to do about it. But then we read in Matthew 15, verse 10 to 16, it says, And he called the people to him, this is Jesus, and he said to them, Hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. 
this defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him and said, do you know that the Pharisees were offended by what you have said? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone, they are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, that's one of Jesus' disciples, he said, explain the parable to us. And Jesus replied, are you still without understanding? And all throughout scripture, we see the interaction between the disciples and between Jesus. They were lucky enough to have several conversations face-to-face with Jesus. Practically every day, they were communicating with him. And the funny thing is, when we read through the Gospels, we see that most of the time, they don't know what's going on. They're confused by what Jesus is saying. They have no understanding of what is being said. And so when we think if we could have that face-to-face conversation with Jesus, we would know and clearly understand what God is saying to us, I don't think that would necessarily be true. Because Jesus, a lot of the time, was speaking in parables, and he was speaking in stories, and sometimes they were quite puzzling. Sometimes it was actually quite cryptic language. And so even if Jesus was here in the flesh with us still, and we could have that face-to-face conversation with him, we would probably still be confused at least half of the time. But then we see in John 16, Jesus gives us a new way of hearing God speak to us. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to John 16, verse 7 to 16, or you can follow on the screen behind me. And it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. And we see in this moment right here that um, Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for what is about to come. He's having um, his last supper with them, and he's trying to prepare them for the fact that he will be leaving and that where he is going, they will not be able to come with them. He's trying to explain to them that he is about to be arrested, he's going to put on, be put on the cross, he's going to die, but that he's going to rise again and ascend to the Father in heaven. He's trying to communicate to them that he will be leaving. He's trying um, to prepare them for this eventuality, but more than that, he is trying to reassure them that even though he is going where they cannot go, that he is not going to leave them alone. And he is going to send someone to speak on his behalf, to speak on God's behalf to them. And that, um, that he's preparing them and putting emphasis on the fact that the way that he's going to be with them going forward is gonna be different to before. And the way that he is gonna to speak to them going forward is gonna be different than before. But not only is it gonna be different, it's also gonna be better. When Jesus tells the disciples that he's going away, they would have thought this is a terrible thing. Like this is the worst thing that you could be telling me, Jesus. But we see in the scriptures that Jesus sees it as a good thing. He says, I will be with you again. I'm going to come back to you, but I'm going to send my spirit to speak to you. 
And why is this better than having Jesus himself? Jesus was with God in the Spirit right from the beginning, before the creation of the world was made. And out of his great love for us, he became flesh, he became a human, and came to live on earth. When he was with his disciples, he was fully human. He was still God, but he was fully human. And so because of that, he was subject to human limitations. It's, as a human, it's impossible to be in more than one place at any given time. And because of that, it's impossible to have more than one conversation at any given time. So Jesus, who's, who's, who is God, who is fully God, is still subject to these human limitations. And so he's saying it's better that he goes and the Spirit comes because the Spirit of God is not subject to human limitations. The Spirit of God can speak to everyone right now in this room at the exact same time. He is not limited. He's unhindered. He has um, the ability to be present everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. Omnipresent being the quality of um, being present everywhere at the same time. There is no place where he is not. Jesus is saying that it's so much more powerful for us to have this Holy Spirit than to have um, God in the flesh with us. And that's why he says it's better that he goes and the Spirit comes to us. And today what we really want to look at is how the Spirit of God, how God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. But before we get into that, I thought it would be great for us to just take a quick look at who the Spirit is. And when we hear the word Spirit, depending on our upbringings or our backgrounds, or if we've been a follower of Jesus for a while or not at all, we can have a different idea of who the Spirit is when we hear His name mentioned. For some of us, when we hear the word Spirit, we can think of it as like a ghost or people who have died, deceased people. Or when we hear the word spirit, we can think of it as a force or an energy. But Jesus shows us in John chapter 16 that the spirit is the life of God, that it's the empowering presence of God, the personal presence of Jesus, who has been with Jesus and God right from the beginning. In fact, the spirit of God is mentioned on the very first page of the Bible. If we look at Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Who is there? We see that God is there, and the Spirit of God is there. And then in verse 3 it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. From the first scripture in Genesis 1, we see that God is the author and originator and creator of our world, that everything is made by him. The scripture shows us that before he created anything, the land was formless, it was dark, it was empty, it was void. It didn't sound like a very nice place to be. It didn't sound like a fun place to hang out. It's almost this chaotic wasteland that cannot sustain life. But who do we see in the midst of all of this chaos and darkness? We see that God is there and the Spirit of God is there, and they're almost poised and ready to bring about the life and beauty and order of God. But why doesn't the scripture just say that God was there? Why does it feel the need to make this differentiation between God and the Spirit of God? It's almost like right at the beginning of the Bible, they're revealing to the reader that there's this complexity to God, there's this plurality about Him, that yes, there's only one true God, but that also that God is three in one. Um, This is what people mean when they speak of God as the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I think Tim Keller describes the Trinity so well. He um, describes it like this. He says, 
The Christian teaching of the Trinity is mysterious and cognitively challenging. The doctrine of the Trinity is that God is one, eternally existent in three persons. That's not tritheism with three gods who work in harmony. Neither is it unipersonalism, the notion that sometimes God takes one form and sometimes he takes another, but that these are simply different manifestations of one God. Instead, Trinitarianism holds that there is one God and three persons who know and love one another. God is not more fundamentally one than he is three, and he is not more fundamentally three than he is one. So then who is the Spirit of God that we hear about in John 16 and Genesis 1? And the Hebrew word for spirit is this word ruach. And so when the author of um, the Old Testament, when um, the author of Genesis was writing Genesis chapter 1, the word that would have been there instead of spirit, because it was in the Hebrew language, would have been this word ruach. And when we translate that word into English directly, the word ruach means breath. So what the writer is talking about here is the breath of God. And if you put your hand up to your mouth, you can even do it now with me if you like, you put it up in front of your mouth and you say something. Let's say, for instance, you say, hello there. Or you can say, hello there. Okay. You can feel something on your hand. There's like something brushing up against it. But when you look down, there's nothing there. It's invisible. This is what your ruach is. It's invisible, but it's a very real thing. Ruach is first and foremost breath. But when I speak of it as breath, I'm not talking about vapor particles or carbon dioxide. I'm talking about life. Ruach is life. Where there is no ruach, there is no life. It's your presence. It's what sustains you and makes you alive. If we go back to Genesis 1 verse 2, we see that the land is dark and chaotic and void and empty. But who is there? God and God's ruach is there. But how does God's ruach get released into the darkness? And I think we see the answer in Genesis 1 verse 3. It says that God speaks. And what were you doing when you put your hand up in front of your mouth? You were releasing your ruach through your words, through your speaking. And the vocabulary that the writer uses in Genesis 1 is so thoughtfully and carefully put together. God speaks a word, and it's God's word that carries out the life of God. When God releases his ruach, his spirit, his breath through his word, life happens. We see in the story of Genesis that light is created. And if we read on and we continue on through that first chapter of Genesis, we see that everything is made by God in this way, including you and I. Everything is made by God through his word, made alive by the spirit of God. The spirit of God brings life to the words of God. Where the spirit of God is, there is life. So who is the spirit that Jesus refers to in John 16? Who is the spirit to Jesus and what does he do? The spirit of God is the life of God. It's the empowering personal presence of God and of Jesus, whose mission is, whose very existence is about inhabiting dark, chaotic places and speaking the life of God into it to bring about God's order and God's beauty. The spirit is a person that we can have a relationship with. The spirit guides us into truth. He speaks to us. On behalf of God and of Jesus, he corrects us and he glorifies Jesus. The Spirit will always lead us back to Jesus, to draw attention to the word that God has spoken through his son Jesus. In Hebrews 1 verse 2, it says, In the past, 
God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has chosen, he has chosen to speak to us by his son. Through God's generous gift of sending Jesus to earth, to die in our place, to live the perfect life for us that we couldn't live, he has demonstrated to us through that action how eager and how willing he is to speak to us. He's already spoken to us just by sending his son to die for us. He's spoken to us about his great love and affection for us, his great value for us, that he would give up his one and only son so that we can have a relationship with him, so that we have access to have conversation with him. The writer in Hebrews says this, he says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, um, who is Jesus. This shows us that the word that God has spoken through his son, Jesus, is the decisive word of God. It will not be followed in this age by any greater or replacement word. This is the word of God, the life of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and Jesus' death on the cross. And the scripture says in John 16 that the spirit will draw us to Jesus, that he will remind us of Jesus and remind us of Jesus' words. This is who the spirit is. And Jesus says that because of this, it is better that he goes away and that God sends us the Holy Spirit. And we can trust that God will send him to us and that he will speak to us because he paid a very great price to have this happen. And one, of, um, God can, one of the ways that God uses the Holy Spirit to speak to us is that the Holy, he can, God can speak through the Holy Spirit directly into our mind and our thoughts and our hearts because the Spirit of God has direct access into our interior, interior worlds. In other words, um, the voice of God can be directly deposited into your thinking. And I know this sounds a bit weird and like out there, like, well, what does that mean? Um, so the only way I know really how to describe it better is to give you an example from our own life on how God has done this. And it's a bit of an old one, but I like it, so I wanna share it. But it was about seven years ago, um, seven or eight years ago, and Brendan, my husband, and I, we were walking along the beachfront. And it was like, sometimes you just know when God is speaking to you. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that um, we had to forgive Shane and Sonia for something that we were offended by. Now, I just want to throw out a little disclaimer there, that this offense was actually largely to do with our own pride and insecurities and really nothing to do with them. Like, please don't go and hate on them after this. Like, they are wonderful wonderful, wonderful people, <laughs> I love you, but um, yeah, he told me, you need to forgive them, you need to just forget about this offense that you have with them, and God in his kindness not only said this to us, but he took it one step further, and he gave us the reason why we needed to do this, which is great, because you know, God doesn't always give us the reasons why he wants us to do something, and what God told me was that we specifically needed to make sure that we do this, because one day, Shane and Sonia and Brennan and I would be on the same eldership team together. And just to give some clarification to the story, at this point in time, we really had no idea that we would become elders. We didn't know they would become elders. Um, Red Point Durban hadn't yet been planted. Red Point Durban, which became Harbour City. And so, especially in hindsight, it's just so clear to me that that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, correcting me, and pointing me towards Jesus and his ways. And now when we think of God speaking to us in this way, like some questions pop up into our mind. Like you could think to yourself, Kim, isn't that really subjective? Like how do you know that that's God? 
Or Kim, isn't that open for interpretation? Like, how do you interpret that? Or Kim, isn't that really unclear? And yes, sometimes God's speaking to us in this way. It's not easy. It's not clear. It's not easy to determine whether it's us speaking to ourselves or God speaking to ourselves. But I think that there is a way that we can kind of test to a certain extent whether it's God speaking or just our own voice. And I'm going to come back to that in a bit. But first, I just want to take another look at another way that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And that way is that God can speak to us through the Holy Spirit when we read the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is God-breathed. And there's that mention of the breath of God again, the ruach of God. And it says that the scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Scripture is the voice of God in the sense that God inspired the words of scripture. If we desire to hear God's voice, then the best place we can start is in the scriptures. If we desire to to grow in hearing God's voice, then the best way that we can do this is to cultivate a knowledge of the word of God. God can speak to us specifically through the Holy Spirit by highlighting or drawing our attention to certain passages in the Bible. Because as Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, the word of God is living and active. The spirit of God has the ability to take scriptures that can be generic and make them specific to us. What I mean by that is um, the Bible can be generic in the sense that it can tell you what kind of woman or man to marry, but it cannot tell you specifically who to marry. Like there's not a list of names in the Bible and then the Holy Spirit highlights one of them to you. In order to hear God speak on these matters, we have to go to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to speak to us. And um, the scripture really is the benchmark for all that we, we um, kind of think that God is saying to us. It's what we um, look to if we want clarification on that. That is why spending time in scripture is so important. That's why knowing what the scripture says is so important. Because God will never contradict himself. He will never say something that is in conflict or direct opposition with Scripture. The work of the Holy Spirit is the clarification and the application of the Word of God. And it will always orientate us more and more around God's Word. If we go back to the question of hearing um, the Holy Spirit speaking to us directly into our hearts and our minds and our thoughts, the one way that we can test this is to look at what the Scripture says. Because if it's not in Scripture, if it goes against Scripture, then that is not the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Another way that we can test um, something that we believe that the Holy Spirit is saying to us is by asking the question, does it sound like Jesus? In John 10, it says, um, Jesus says, the sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. When we are in a relationship with someone, when we have relationship with them, we are able to recognize their voice. It becomes familiar. We know when it's them that is speaking to us. And as we grow in our relationship with God and with Jesus, his voice will become more and more familiar to us and we will recognize it more easily. But if we have any claim to a spiritual revelation that we believe the Holy Spirit has spoken to us, if it is in contradiction to scripture or to the person of Jesus, then that is not the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Um, and then sometimes we cannot hear God speak to us because we are simply not asking him to speak or creating the time and the space to listen to him speaking to us. Sometimes we are just too busy and too distracted. I think this um, culture of hurrying, of always be, being on the go and doing this and that, is one of our greatest enemies in hearing 
the voice of God because we just have too much noise surrounding us that we don't have the space or the time to hear God speaking to us or for us to speak to God. But I think one of the ways that we can quiet ourselves before God and um, just give God space to speak to us is through prayer. And a couple of weeks ago, um, Grant covered this topic of prayer and he asked us a really interesting question. He asked us the question, in your prayer life, are you mostly doing the talking to God? Like, are you talking the entire time? Or are you creating a space for him to talk to you? And we see in the Gospels that this is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus' prayer life with God is like. We see that he speaks to the Father, he talks to the Father, but he also listens and hears from the Father. We see that Jesus approaches God in prayer with confidence. He believes that God will speak to him. And we can approach prayer in the exact same way. We know that God is eager to speak to us because he demonstrated that to us by sending us his son. And God often speaks to us through the Spirit in prayer, often through a combination of fasting, which we're going to be doing on Tuesday, and I really would encourage you to come, often through a combination of fasting and prayer, our minds become clearer and our hearts become more soft and open to hear what God is saying to us. We may not hear God's literal voice speaking to us, but His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can confirm to us a certain direction or lead us in a certain way. Sometimes as we are praying, God's Spirit will, will remind us or draw us back to a passage of Scripture that we have read that could help us in our current situation. And a great way to test if we are, are God's answering our prayers and if we're hearing from God in our prayer life is to actually, you could, for instance, keep a prayer journal and write down your prayers that you've been asking God to answer and write down the things that you believe that God is saying to you. And over time, it's actually amazing to look back and see, oh, God actually does answer my prayers and hear me. And actually, I am hearing from God and this and this and this, and maybe I got that one wrong, but that's okay. When we hear God speak through the Spirit, it is an incredibly powerful thing. Whether He's speaking directly into our hearts and minds and thoughts, or He's speaking to us through the Scriptures, or He's speaking to us through prayer, and the many, many other ways that the Spirit speaks to us, such as um, through other people, through prophecy, through creation, through visions and dreams and circumstances. Unfortunately, we don't have time to go into every single one of those. But no matter how the Spirit of God speaks to us, it is an incredibly powerful thing. We see that in Genesis 1. Genesis 1 is such a beautifully powerful picture of what happens when the Spirit of God brings life to the words of God. And um, really, hearing God speak and hearing the Spirit's words has the power to change lives. It's the very ministry of Jesus. When we listen to God and hear God's voice, we have the ability to partner with Him in bringing the kingdom of God to earth just like we see Jesus doing so many times in the Gospels. And a while ago, I felt like God gave me a word for someone. And it was someone I knew really well, someone I adore, love, think is amazing. And honestly, this person is like the best person I know. They have it going on. They're successful. They're funny. They're smart. They're beautiful. Like, honestly, they're amazing. And I felt like God said to me, go and tell them that they're not a disappointment and failure. And I thought... There's no ways that God is saying that to me. Like, that is something going on in my head. There's just never. Like, this person could never, ever possibly feel that way. But a few days, weeks went on, time went on, and it was still there, this voice in my head, go and tell this person that they're not a failure and disappointment. 
So I thought, okay, I'm gonna risk it. I'm gonna step out of my comfort zone and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna tell her what I believe that God is saying to her. And when I told her, she just burst into tears because this is the way that she had been feeling. Partnering with God, ministering with God, joining the Holy Spirit in what he is doing on this earth is one of the biggest privileges of our lives. And sometimes we will make mistakes and that's okay, but it is a joy to be a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing here on earth through the words of God and through the lives of his people. The words of God um, made alive by the Holy Spirit have the power to change things. They have the power to bring life, to bring life into dark and chaotic um, places, to bring God's order and beauty there. And the fact of the matter is, is that we live in this very unpredictable world that's very kind of too muchless, is that how you say it? Like, it's almost like you can never quite expect what is gonna happen next. You could have walked through this door, these doors this morning and maybe you're struggling with um, a relationship that was really important to you gone bad or you're struggling with loneliness or you're struggling with depression or you're struggling with your finances. You have no financial provision. There's so much pain and darkness and chaos in this world. But when we look at John 16, we know that Jesus cares. We know that he's with us. We know that he has sent the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to speak to us, to guide us, to help us in any situation we find ourselves in. But so much more than that, that it is his mission and what he is here to do to bring life and order and beauty into the chaos and darkness in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Jesus knows our stories and he is present with us always. Can I please ask you to stand?